Hello and welcome to another episode of the Feels Like 45 podcast. This week, no Cade Webb, but in his place we have owner, writer, editor of Pistols Firing blog, Marshall Scott. Marshall, what's up, man? Not a whole lot. Um, We kind of talked beforehand. There's not a whole lot going on in the OSU sporting world. Um, It's nice. It's a little stressful because I'm not writing as much. I don't really know what to do with my hands, but but it's nice. Thanks for having me on. It seems like it's going to be a good time. Yeah, for sure. Like you said, stuff is kind of winding down right now. So Marshall and I are going to hit some some just kind of football preview stuff. We'll talk a little football recruiting, basketball, and then we'll get to some listener questions. But just wanted to say thanks to Marshall for coming on. It's huge, huge help to us. Uh, he's an awesome guest, known Marshall for a while. Him and I both wrote at Pistols Firing when Kyle Porter was there, when Kyle Porter was the owner of the site. And then when Marshall took over, I stayed on and wrote under him for a while. So Marshall's a great guy. Really appreciate him coming on and Cage traveling this week. Um, and you know, he just he doesn't care about the listeners as much as as much as Marshall and I do. So I like how you uh, kind of just brushed over how you broke up with me unceremoniously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was, I wrote for I wrote under sad. him for a little bit, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> I thought he was smelly, and I'm out. Well, it was more the fact that I just realized I'm not a very good writer. I mean, I can barely read. If you listen yeah, to this I, podcast when I'm doing the Twitter questions, I, I have trouble even reading. You're you're too hard on yourself in that aspect. I <laughs> I thought it was great stuff, but you, you know, you had you had your kid, um, you had this awesome opportunity with Cade, so it, it made sense. It was just you know, I just had to deal with my heartbreak for a while. <laughs> I'm glad Marshall was able to get over it and join with me. But yes, it was a great. I loved I loved writing for the site, working for Marshall, both. Working with Marshall and for Marshall was fun. We got to hang out a few times at some dinners, hang out in Stillwater, tailgate hangout. So it it was it was awesome. And I'm glad we're able to kind of get back to it with this podcast. But Marshall, enough, enough about you. Uh, and enough, I mean, I mean, never enough about me, but enough about you. Let's move on to the actual sports talk here. I wanted to get your take since you're really you're really close to the football team, you're living in Stillwater, you're at all the media availabilities, you're able to go to some of the practices. I just wanted to get your overall take as we head into the summer, summer workouts are going on for football, and then we're moving into the actual on-field practices, into fall camp, and into the season start. Just your takes on the football season, and I kind of wanted to start with the offense. Heading into the season, what do you think the biggest concerns are for this Oklahoma State team? What would be something that would hold them back from making it to Arlington again this season? I think when you talk offense in particular with Oklahoma State has been this way for a long time is, is offensive line play. Um, They're obviously really banged up in the spring. Um, Gundy said, you know, a lot of those guys are going to be fine for the fall, but they just didn't have them in spring. They're obviously bringing in, um, you know, Queso and uh, Casey Collier. So I think those are, I, I think that's the biggest concern, biggest question mark. Um, that's kind of the obvious one. And then maybe a less obvious one is kind of a go-to receiver. Um, they've had that for a really long time. It went from Washington um, into Thailand, into Tay Martin. Um, and then now is Jaden Bray that guy? Does Braden Johnson come back and all of a sudden become that guy? 
Um, so I think that's kind of a, another question mark, or maybe they do find a way to kind of spread it out. You'd think Brennan Presley is going to be that guy, but um, it's been a long time since they've used a slot guy as, as kind of their go-to uh, dude. So um, I think that's kind of a less obvious one, but you know, maybe it does force them to spread the ball around a little more. Um, and maybe that ends up being a good thing. Yeah. I, I actually really like that call out with the go-to wide receiver. It's something Cade and I have talked a little bit about. If, if you had to, if you had to guess right now, do you think it's more of a wide receiver by committee thing, or do you think someone breaks out? And, it, and if so, who would that be in your, in your mind? So I think, I think the best receiver in the room is Brendan Presley right now. But, but like I said, with him not using, I think Josh Stewart maybe was like the last kind of slot gadget guy that they used a, as their go-to. So with it have, being been that long, I would say Jaden Bray. Uh, he kind of seems to be the, uh, the heir apparent. Um, you don't really, at least I don't really know what they're going to get out of Braden Johnson this year um, with him missing all of last season. Uh, maybe Langston Anderson, uh, you know, he's been, he gets injured right at the most inopportune times every year, but he's always Sucks. had a lot of hype. <laughs> yeah. He's always had a lot of hype around him. So um, if I had to pick one, uh, one of those outside guys, I think I'd lean towards Jaden Bray at this point, just because he's kind of more of a known quantity, which is weird because he's, you know, only going to be a sophomore. Yeah, no, I like I like that pick. And that's kind of after my own heart, because when Kate and I talk about it on here, he's leaning more towards a Brendan Presley and I'm kind of going the Bray route. So I, I see I, I think it could happen with both guys. I think both both are a good choice. But like you said, having that go to guy as your inside receiver hasn't really been something we've seen from Oklahoma State in recent years. So I, I do like the Bray call out there and and back on what you mentioned at the beginning, offensive line, that that's kind of what I'm thinking as well. You know, we have the, the injury with Cole Birmingham. We actually got a question. I'm going to go ahead and hit it now from our guy, Ross lawyer at our lawyer underscore two, one, two Ross. Thanks as always for the questions. You're always sending us good ones. He asked any update on Cole Birmingham from what I've heard. And the fact that it hasn't really been widely reported Marshall, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like the rumors of his season ending injury are still, aren't really rumors. It sounds like it is a it is a real thing. He's probably not going to play this season. It's something with the knee, some kind of major knee in injury. But from everything I've heard, it does not sound like he's going to be suiting up anytime soon. Yeah, so I, I definitely have heard that as well, that you know it is a knee injury. It was pretty serious. Um, but then kind of every time we asked Gundy you know, in a roundabout way this spring, um, you know, he would kind of just group it all, all the offensive linemen in together and be like, oh, then, then – <laughs> You know, X, Y, and Z. There's going to be 25 guys. So there hasn't been like a, a straight answer, but I had heard that it was, um, you know, kind of fairly significant and they're not sure that um, if he plays, when he plays or, or if at all um, in 2022. Yeah, it sounds like for sure not at the beginning of the season. So it's, it's going to cause some shakeup. Also hearing, I haven't had a chance to confirm this, so I don't want to go too much into detail here because as the listeners know, we, we're not really breaking news guys on this podcast, but it sounds like Silas Barr may be out as well. I'm not sure what exactly that's related to, if it's injury, if it's retirement, if it's something else, but uh, hopefully that's not the case, but that's, that's the rumor here right now. That, that hurts your depth again there. Marshall, do you think Queso Brooks and Casey Collier, do you think those guys can come in in the fall and actually start for this team? Is that, is that even a likelihood or a chance? I think I think a guy like Caso Brooks might have to just because I feel like they're thin at the guard spot right now. So I think that he'll definitely have a shot. 
um, from all I'd heard that they, they both kind of came in and were, were more ready than, than most time. Like most guys, usually Gundy says, Oh, he wasn't in shape. You know, you know he's been here you know, 12 months, but he hadn't been in shape yet. So like, so that's kind of like the, the Gundy is in there, but I'd, I'd heard that they were actually, um, looking pretty good. Uh, Collier's a little less known of like how good he is, how good he can be. He's got an awesome pedigree. His, his sister was a top, you know, WNBA draft pick. Um, oh, I didn't so, know that. yes. Yeah, so she went to Texas and she played basketball there. So, um, athletic wise, he should be, you know, outstanding. It's just, I think more of a matter of kind of developing him physically. Um, and, and I'm not sure that he's ready to start at tackle. I don't, it, he, he could, he might be the best that they, the best option they have. But, um, I, I think that, uh, Keso Brooks in particular, I think he'll, he'll really need to get going here pretty quick. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think with Brooks, since he's a guy who has had so many snaps, I know with Vanderbilt, I know that's what people coming back to. It was at Vanderbilt, but it's still a power five school. And he not only played guard on both sides of the line, but also got some snaps at tackle. So he's a very experienced lineman. Like you said, if he came in in any type of resemblance of good shape, gets in the program with, with coach glass, I don't think Oklahoma state's zone running scheme is that complicated for a guy of that kind of tenure in college football. So I think you're right. I think he's somebody that could come in and start right away. Yeah, and, the, oh, go ahead. Uh, no, I was no. just going to say that like, and you especially need him if Birmingham, you know, if he is out, um, Preston Wilson, it looks like he's, you know, he's moved into center. So as far as interior guys go, you really, you're kind of, you know, looking around trying to find somebody. No, it's a great point. That's it's a great point. It's it's kind of out of necessity, but but maybe he is able to come in and actually give you quality reps. So we'll kind of see where that goes. Marshall, just switching on to the to the defensive side, losing Jim Knowles, bringing in Derek Mason, losing a lot of high caliber guys in the defensive secondary, like your Colby Harvell Peels, your Christian Holmes. How good can this defense be? Can it be the what was it all stats combined? I think they were like the third best defense behind Georgia and Alabama overall last year. Can it get up to that level again? Or realistically, I think it has to take a step back, but how far back? Yeah, I think that's a big question. I think, uh, and it's kind of unfair for Derek Mason coming in. Not only are you, you know, replacing Jim Knowles, the best DC, maybe in in, in program history, uh, just with how good that defense was last year, but now you're doing it essentially with a whole new secondary um, and things like that. So I think that uh, a step back is, is definitely in order. I think I've tried to explain this and I'm not sure like on different radio stuff, but I think talent wise, this group might actually be better whenever you, you know, have a Kendall Daniels back there. No, I agree. And, I agree. So I, I think the talent might be better than, you know, they, they had a lot of those diamond in the rough kind of type guys in that last uh, in last year's defense. But I, I think the experience and especially playing with each other, as long as that, especially that secondary did um, from last year and, and things like that. I think that goes such a far way. Um, so I, I do think it'll be a step back, um, but I think there will be flashes of, of brilliance with, you know, kind of those young corners uh, with Kendall Daniels and things like that. I've heard really great things about Mason Cobb, but how is he supposed to live up to what Malcolm Rodriguez and Devin Harper did last year um, in his first year as a starter? I, I don't really know. So I think, I think there will be a step back. Um, so I think it's kind of important for Oklahoma state fans uh, to kind of be patient with that group just because, you know, they haven't played as much as that, that last year's group and, you know, just chill out on your, your Derek Mason hot takes for a little while. I think. No, I, I think you're a hundred percent correct. Especially that blast point at the end. I think this is something like 
you know, you may give up several touchdowns to Central Michigan when you're still trying to find your footing. You're talking about guys like Mason Cobb, who did not get a lot of reps last year. They some, but not a lot. And then by middle of the season, you know, maybe they're shutting teams out for an entire half or something like that. So I, I think that's a great take. It to your point at the beginning. I think overall this team could be more athletic and more talented on defense than they have in the past. It's just, as you mentioned, the lack of reps from some of these guys, but you're talking about a guy like Kendall Daniels, who I know you've seen him kind of up close more than I have. I really just saw him at the spring game, but the dude is an absolute monster. You watch his high school tape, everything you're hearing about him. It sounds like this is a guy who has the cal like the, the talent to possibly be a first team, all big 12 guy in the future. So when you're talking about guys like that and just the one caveat is they do not have the college reps yet. So I think the ceiling is really high this with this team, but again, the flow, the floor could be really low. Yeah. And, and kind of speaking, I guess this is just going to turn into like a Kendall Daniels gushing, uh, segment, <laughs> but um, there was, I, I forgot what the uh, scenario was last year, but Gundy was kind of talking about, um, you know, NFL scouts coming in and watching practices and how they were technically not allowed to evaluate Kendall Daniels. Um, but he could tell that they all, you know, were, and that just kind of seemed like an unnecessary thing for him to kind of say like, Hey, this Kendall Daniels kid is pretty freaking good, but you know, he obviously yeah. sat behind a lot of, a lot of experience last year. Right. That's the thing. I mean, who knows? Some of these guys could have even been better football players, but you're not going to throw them out there over a guy who's really solid, who has a ton of reps, ton of experience and knows the defense. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how that shakes out. And March, I forgot to ask you this question with the offense. I'll go ahead and ask you kind of for both. We can take offense first. Who in your mind is going to be a breakout guy for this OSU offense next season? And what I mean by that is someone maybe who didn't play a lot, whether that be a newcomer or just somebody who you think is going to step into a role that they weren't playing last year that could really pop and fans will be talking about five games in. Yes. So we already kind of talked about Jaden Bray, but he, he played a lot last year. He just wasn't right. kind of that go-to guy. Um, guys, I'm pretty interested in, I've heard, you know, we know that Dominic Richardson's going to be RB1. Um, so that's not saying a whole lot, but I think that I've heard a lot of good things about Jaden Nixon. Um, I think a lot of people have been kind of on the Ollie Gordon hype train, which rightly so looks freaking sweet. That's <laughs> a very large running back. So I, I'm all on board with that. But um, I think that Jaden Nixon um, could be a pretty like sneaky two back where, um, you know, not, not a whole lot of people are going to be singing his praises entering the year. But but I think as he gets going, that'll be interesting. And then I really like what they did kind of towards the middle half uh, of last year with Blaine Green using him essentially as a cowboy back, um, getting him out on, on routes like that. So I think that if they use that more this year, um, I could see his, his totals going up quite a bit. So um, I, I thought that was a lot of fun whenever, because they, they kind of got unlucky with Logan Carter's injury. Um, then they essentially just had a bunch of blocking cowboy back. So it was kind of a, a moot position last year in terms of, you know, the passing game. Um, but then I thought they really unlocked something whenever they, they put Blaine Green out there. So I, I, I'm interested to see how that kind of develops into next season. Yeah, I love I love both of those. I, I, Nick, Nixon's probably mine as well, and I love the Blaine Green call out. I, I think Nixon is somebody who is going to possibly – so let's just say Richardson and Nixon are healthy the whole season. I, I know there's been some injury kind of banged up things in the past. I know Oklahoma State running backs, that happen sometimes just with the amount of times they carry the ball. I know there's been some ball security issues that we've heard about at times with Richardson, but – 
if they're healthy for the whole season, I think Nixon is the guy who maybe has the more electric plays. So, you know, say they say Richardson ends up with, you know, I don't know, 10, 15% more carries than Nixon. I think Nixon's the guy you're going to end up remembering because he's going to break off a 50 yard touchdown run or have an insane jump cut that's on Sports Center top 10 or something like that. So I, I really like that call out. I think one more guy I'm going to throw out there just to throw a name from my end John Paul Richardson. There's so much talk about Brandon Presley, Braden Johnson. Rightfully so. These are two of the most talented players on the team and definitely two of the fastest players on the team. But John Paul may be the best route runner on the team. He may have the best hands on the team. We saw it last year at times. I'm not sure how many targets he is going to get to make him kind of a breakout guy, like, like in the question I asked. But he would be someone I would kind of keep my eye on. Yeah, and they seem really stoked about him. It's just kind of unfortunate. We kind of go back to the, the, the slot receiver issue and kind of not being the go-to guy. And all of a sudden you're you're at your second slot receiver. But yeah, right. he was he was really good last year, particularly in the uh the Big 12 championship game, trigger warning. Um, but <laughs> like but he was he was really good there. He he had some really good, you know, kind of breakout moments. I think in Lubbock he had a touchdown, if I'm not mistaken. Didn't yeah. they have him throw a pass in Lubbock too randomly? <laughs> or am I just out of it? Yeah, so, I think he I think he did throw a pass. So yeah. Um I think that they like him a lot and I think they're kind of trying to find ways to use him along with Brennan and kind of get them both on the field at the same time. Yeah. On the defensive side, besides Kendall Daniels, who is your breakout player on the defensive side? Okay. So the, the way you put this up on the, uh, on our little rundown here is someone who didn't contribute much last season, right? Um, there's this newcomer. His name is a trace Ford. Um, he, <laughs> no. um so I, th- I thought there was a chance that might be your answer for this yeah. one i just started laughing um so that, that's obvious but um kendall daniels um and then we kind of talked about mason cobby who's my other one that it, it's going to be tough for him to live up to just what malcolm and Devin were able to do last year um but i think that he's a guy that could very easily just based on how many tackles linebacker get he could lead the team in tackles um, I've heard a lot of good things about, you know, him, his aggressiveness, his style of play. So um, I think that he will be a good surprise for the people who don't. I, I feel like it's kind of most people who follow the program, like really closely are, are, are reading stuff on, you know, websites and, and doing things like that. They've kind of heard Mason Cobb before. Uh, but I think for the more casual fan who just, you know, watches the games and, and does all that, I think Mason Cobb's going to kind of jump off the page uh, for those guys this year. No, I, lo- I love that call. And I- I'm just going to go with the, with the other linebacker spot. I'm going to go with Xavier Benson. It's a guy who had a ton of reps as a freshman at Texas tech dominated the Juco ranks. And I think he's someone that could come in and not fill the shoes of the that Malcolm Rodriguez and Devin Harper left. But I think Mason Cobb and Xavier Benson are going to be guys. We are talking about several games of the season as standout studs on the defensive side of the ball. So I'm, I think just our answer, you and I's answer is just the linebacker position. <laughs> yeah. I think that's uh and especially Which is with, wild. Yeah. Because and, like, there's so much unknown there. Yeah. And, and with the style of defense that they played, the, the, the linebackers have been so important for, for it. I guess it's probably for every defense. I'm just like pigeonholed onto Oklahoma State. No, no, you're, no, you're, you're hundred percent right. And even more so with coach Mason coming in because the way his, run fits work is the ends are trying to funnel the ball back into the middle of the field, back into the two linebacker spots. So they're going to get a lot of chances to make plays and they're going to have to be very sound in both run 
and pass coverage with RPOs, things like that, because Mason's defense puts a lot and Knowles did as well, puts a lot on these guys. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the, that's going to be obviously a, a ginormous kind of inflection point on how good this defense is, is how quickly that, that those two can adjust to not only, you know, Oklahoma state, but, but Mason's defense as a whole. Oh, hundred percent. So Marshall, I sent this to you. The feels like 45 depth chart. Cade and I've been trying to update this pretty regularly. We haven't sent one out in a while just because we didn't know with transfer portal and everything we thought, you know, we'd put one out and then somebody would leave or somebody new would come in. We don't have to go position by position, but I wanted to just kind of run through maybe the the starting offense. I can just kind of list them off real quick, even though I said we're not going to go position by position. I guess I'm going to list them all off. And then just tell me what you think, if you have any changes, anything different, anything you you don't agree with. So on offense, going from left tackle to right tackle, got Caleb Etienne, Jason Brooks, Preston Wilson, Hunter Woodard, Casey Collier, which kind of that right tackle spot, it's Collier, Jake Springfield, kind of one, two. Then at wide receiver, I'm going to list off four. Bray, Presley, John Paul Richardson, Braden Johnson. And then at Cowboy back, Braden Cassidy, running back Dominic, Dominic Richardson, and quarterback Spencer Sanders. Any issues there? Anybody you see maybe coming up from the, the bench, so to say it, our bench, I guess, up into that first string i think obviously at right tackle casey collier i think that's going to be a big kind of inflection point with him jake springfield didn't they run materko at tackle some last year too materko's played some guard he's played some tackle i think he he's kind of played all over i know in the spring once birmingham went down they kind of slotted him in at that guard spot but he does have experience at tackle as well yeah so i I think that that spot just in general is kind of still up for grabs i don't really know who will who will jump out. Um, aside from that, I, I, I don't know what they're going to get with Braden Johnson. So I could see, you know, Bryson green, I could even see them pushing out uh, Rashad Owens who they seem uh, pretty high on uh, maybe a Langston Anderson. Um, so I think that that'll kind of be a rotating door. I think Braden Johnson will get first dibs at it just because um, he's kind of the leader of the group and Gundy's program over the years is kind of, you know, valued sticking it out and, and doing things like that. So uh, but other than that, you know, uh, I, I'm not sure that I've, you know, maybe Gunnar Gundy over Spencer Sanders, but I think that's that's about it. I just on your point with with Johnson, I still am not 100 percent sure what they're going to do with him. Uh, is he does he go back to the inside? You know, we've seen him play on the outside. I I actually prefer him inside. I don't think he performed as well as his talent kind of as talented as he is when he was an outside receiver and he's got so much speed from that inside spot with the slot fades, stuff like that you can do with him streaking him down the field. So it's going to be interesting kind of to see where they line him up. It sounds like he's going to go back to the outside. I saw an interview. I think maybe you, you were even there at practice where he said he was lining up on the outside. So I'm just not really sure what they're going to do there. And then with Rashad Owens, he's a guy they moved all over the field last year. I know he feels more comfortable on the outside, but you know, if there's an injury or something, I, I think that he could be a guy they slot in instantly on the inside as well. So that's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Yeah, with with Braden, I think I, I think I might have been the one to ask the question is if because going into last season, it's kind of a big deal that I think it was last spring um, that, you know, he was talking about how excited he was to kind of be moving back to the slot. Um, but just with this year, you know, we mentioned Brendan Presley, we mentioned John Paul Richardson. Um, then we mentioned if they want to get Blaine Green more involved out of that cowboy back spot, then there's maybe not going to be as 
you know, that, that's kind of tough, tough picking there. So I think that they've kind of by necessity had to move him back outside. Um, and I think that's at least by the spring from the spring, I think that's kind of where they, they envision using him this, this fall. Yeah. We'll see. We'll kind of see what happens there, but then it'll be interesting with what they do with all those wide receivers on defense, just quickly go through that, that Leo spot, that kind of Martin Oliver Ford, kind of all of them right there. The other defensive tackles, I've got Evers and Sionia C and then Tyler Lacey at the other end linebacker, Cobb and Benson, the two cornerbacks, Corey Black and Jabbar Muhammad, and then the three safeties, Thomas Harper, Kendall Daniels, Jason Taylor. Any any issues with that? Anybody you see that maybe maybe could make their way into the first team on the defense that I don't have listed there? I think that the coaching staff is pretty high on Cody Walterscheid. Um, I don't know. He's large. He's so big. I thought whenever mm. I saw him this spring, and I literally thought it was Cole Walterscheid, his older brother. <laughs> And so I was like, why is Cole, Cole at the spring game? Yeah. I was, I was like, why is Cole Walterscheid like padded up and practicing with these? Like, I, I, <laughs> I guess, is this legal? Is this an NCAA violation? Um, so I, they could maybe use him, I think, uh, on the interior, that defensive line. You know, I think you've got to start Tyler Lacey and you've obviously with the, all those Leos you use those guys on the edges. But I think he's a guy who could, you know, kind of get some some more work this year. Uh, but it's going to be so hard to break into that defensive line because they lost, uh, you know, a lot of linebacker, a lot of secondary, but but that defensive line that they have returning uh, should be pretty stacked. And outside of that, you know, I've heard really good things about Trey Rucker, heard really good things about Lyric Rawls. Um, but I, I think the safeties that you have starting are, I think that's the right way to go. Yeah, no, Rawls and Rucker, two big time names. I'm sure Sean Michael Flanagan will get some run. It's going to be interesting to see what happens at the backup cornerback stop spots you know is it is it a beeman is it a jones cam smith who who kind of i mean do you have any insight on that who who you see kind of running the twos at the cornerback spot i i think that was a question i asked Gundy and he was a little vague this thing like <laughs> this thing so um but i, I the reason he probably I doesn't know it, yeah the, the reason i asked it was because how big the kelvion beeman looked um you know he looks he's pretty massive and to imagine that he's a corner that he, you know, enrolled early last year and, and kind of got a head start on everything. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to see what, what he brings and if um, he can kind of get some regular PT. But it's just with how good uh, Jabbar and Corey performed last year, not only in the, uh, you know, the Fiesta Bowl, but they were looking good, you know, even when in their spot work throughout the season. Um, I think it's going to kind of be hard to, to usurp those guys. And um, a, as much as in the past they've said that they want to rotate corners, they usually kind of stick to, um, whoever they've got out there just asked Christian Holmes last year, you know, had a, had a tough time getting on or in 2020 um, kind of had a tough time getting on the field. So um, I think that it'll kind of be tough for, for that third corner to get used, but I'm really high on to Kelvin Beeman just from a, from an eye test standpoint. Yeah. I lo- I've liked what I've seen from Beeman in, in spring uh, at the spring game and things like that. And you're right. He's a large, large cornerback. So that'll be awesome. All right. Well, Marshall, I appreciate you walking through that with me. Those are some good, that was some good insight from you way better than anything Cade gives us. So uh, that was not just kidding, Cade, but really appreciate that. I, I kind of wanted to talk to um, about next related to football is this Mike Gundy, Dave Hunziker, Cowboy Insider podcast that was released this week. It's part of the Cowboy Insider summer series. This is volume one. I, I'm assuming they're going to go through the rest of the major coaches at the school. Dave's going to just kind of interview them all, but 
Gandhi said some pretty interesting things. You wrote about a few, you and I believe Kyle Boone as well, wrote about a few of them on the Pistols Firing website. So check that out for sure. But I just kind of wanted to break some of this down with you and just kind of, one thing you mentioned and you wrote about this was a lot of the teams going back to tempo on offense in the Big 12. It was something we saw Oklahoma State do at times last season, most notably in the Notre Dame Bowl game. With the coaching changes, with the personnel lining up, it sounds like Gundy thinks, what, 80% of the Big 12 is going to kind of move more to tempo or at least use tempo at some point in each game on offense. What do you kind of think about that? Because we've seen teams kind of go away from that in recent years and be more grinded out, go to running the football. I, I mean, sure, Iowa State's still not going to do that. But but aside from that, what, what did you think about that comment? Yeah, it kind of excited me. Even when the Big 12 was getting dunked on for, you know, th- this conference doesn't play any defense. I was always like, who doesn't enjoy watching touchdowns be scored? Like, that's yeah. way more fun than, you know, watching a 6-3 to three Big 10 game. So I, I'm excited about it. Um, yeah, he mentioned, you know, he doesn't think Baylor with, with Randa that they'll necessarily subscribe to it. He doesn't think um, Iowa State will. He said he guesses Kansas wouldn't either, even though they started doing some. But, you know, who really cares what Kansas does at this point? Um, but, yeah, even if you look, because it was mainly the hires, but even if you look at, you know, like Oklahoma, they hired Brent Venables. That's a defensive mind. Uh, but him bringing in Jeff Levy, you know, that's that's a you know whole different animal. And then with Tech, they hired – his name slipping my head – Joey uh, McGuire. McGuire. Yeah, they, they hired McGuire, but he brings in um, the offensive coordinator from – Western Kentucky, um, they had the, you know, the second best, you know, scoring offense in the country last year. Yeah. So it, it's, it wasn't necessarily the, the head coach hires, but I think he's kind of looked more at the offensive coordinator hires and kind of what they like to do. So um, I'm, you know, I'm always going to be like, Hey, let's, let's just score as many points as possible. It's way more fun this way. So I don't really have any sort of issue with that. I'm kind of excited for it. Yeah. I, I think the tempo makes it more interesting. It, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fun to see who actually does it. Gundy's normally, and I think you and Kyle both mentioned this in your post, that when Gundy says something like this, he's normally correct. So it, it'll be fun to kind of see how it plays out. Um, along, along with the tempo, this is just kind of a quick note. We don't really have to break this down because I feel like <laughs> this gets talked about enough. But he compared Rob Glass's summer workout, which Oklahoma State strength and conditioning coach, he compared the summer workouts to those of uh, the Navy SEAL team. So what did you, what did you think about that? I have, I've personally, it sounds sweet, eh, but I've, I have no idea what a Navy SEAL workout looks like. Um, sounds I, very difficult and maybe yeah. too difficult for college football. Yeah. You know, I'm, I was in algebra earlier today and now I'm with the Navy SEAL. So I don't know if it, it obviously it works for him. Rob Glass has been around a long time, so he, so he knows what he's doing, but yeah, I thought that was a, that's a funny comment and it kind of seemed to come out of nowhere really it wasn't like dave was like hey does rob train your guys like navy seals or or anything like that it, it just seemed like maybe somebody told him hey work navy seals into this podcast and, yeah. and then he did. dave has to like stop the pod and he's like hey mike what uh what the heck was that what are we talking about now? <laughs> um, but yeah i thought that was that was very very interesting i love when he you know kind of like makes these bold statements just out of nowhere. It is cool though. You know, him and Rob obviously have a great relationship 
they've been together a long time. Gundy mentions that it's one of his best hires. He talks about all the time how long they've been together, compares it to, you know, other offensive coordinator, head coach, defense coordinator, head coach relationships that we that we see at other schools. So uh, it, it's pretty awesome that he's been able to kind of keep him around. And it's obviously working because we see what happens when these high school and transfers get into the Rob Glass program. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't seem like, you know, the body bag last thing, it's become kind of cliche at this point, but it's cliche because it's, it's true. Right. Um, and, and, you know, he's, he's able to develop these guys because of, you know, the work that Rob Glass does and, you know, Malcolm Rodriguez doesn't turn from, you know, his freshman year into like this boulder of a linebacker <laughs> his senior year, if, if it isn't for Rob Glass. No, hundred percent. Correct. Um, next, another, just kind of quick comment. Gundy mentioned, Again, I don't think this was even the question, but Gundy <laughs> mentioned that he and Mike Yursich invented RPOs. So, any any issues I, with that take? I uh, I think this is something that you, that you'd be more of the expert on than me because <laughs> I uh, he he's kind of works that in pretty quick. Um, the the different offensive coaching trees, you know, you got like Mike Leach, uh, and then you've it, it seems like he gets credit for a lot of things. And there's every once in a while, like Gundy kind of mentions, like, "Hey, I deserve some of that credit too." <laughs> so yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I don't know who invented RPOs. Um, I know that it's, you know, everybody says the term RPO these days. Um, so, you know what, why the heck not? It, it makes for a better story that I'm writing if, if, you know, the two mics invented them. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And you know, it's, it's hard to argue. I, I just laugh because, you know, you've seen, I think it's Rich Rodriguez. There's high school coaches that claim that they invented it. There's, I saw an interview one time with Brett Favre where he said he invented it because he got bored. So there's just so many people and people say they invented it. Writers say that somebody else invented it, another coach. So Mike Leach, obviously, like you said, is thrown in there. Gundy did kind of caveat it by saying he's not really talking about the kind of inside zone flat RPO, which has been around for a long time where you're, where it's either hand off the inside zone or throw kind of the swing pattern out to the wide receiver on the flat or the screen pass out there. So I I was talking to Adam one a little bit about this and he made the point that Gundy and your may not have invented RPOs, but they definitely were kind of the first head coach offensive coordinator duo to perfect it. Sorry about my dogs barking in the background, but the first to kind of perfect it and gain a lot of yardage from it. So it, it is, it is probably part Yursich and Gundy that, you know, brought it to light, especially in the big 12. I, uh, I would like to take credit for uh, on the playgrounds as an elementary schooler, I invented a rub route. Um, <laughs> you know, this is before that, you know, this is before that I had ever really heard about it, but I said, Hey, we're going to run our defenders into each other and then we'll both be open. So see, the, well, that's the thing. It, Gundy could say it about anything, really, because he, he'll just be like, well, I'd never heard of it before, so I invented yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, and I'd never heard of a rubber. And it was kind of a double cross rubber out where you go in one way and you come back out the other way. And I don't know score? why. Uh, yeah, I think so. I don't know why that, that's something that stuck in my head um, as an elementary schooler, but I just felt really good about that day. I'd assume we scored, or, or maybe it failed horribly, and that's why I remember it. But, that's but either the, way, uh, I invented it. That's the next That's the next Pistols Firing blog article is, is you inventing the rubber out. So. Um, just want to hit a couple more really just want to, you know, I wrote this down as one of our, our bullets to go over, but we don't really have to go into detail on it. Gundy was just talking a lot about NIL, the governing bodies. He thinks, you know, they're going to, they're obviously going to govern it more, but he doesn't think it's going anywhere. He talked about some things like keys to success for next season, but it wasn't anything really 
groundbreaking, basically offensive line, stay healthy, protect the quarterback. And he thinks the defense is good. That was kind of his takeaways. But the last thing I really wanted to hit on with you, Marshall, unless there was something else you wanted to get to on this, his Derek Mason, Jim Knowles discussion was pretty interesting. So David asked him about Mason and he also brought up Jim Knowles kind of transition into the big 12 and how he had to kind of manipulate his defense. But Gundy gave Knowles a ton of credit. It wasn't like he was taking any credit away from it all, but he did say that the defense that Oklahoma state rolled out the past two seasons wasn't just Jim Knowles. It was a group effort from the coordinators. Mike Gundy said he himself was even involved in creating that defense. So he, he, and I think the point was saying Mason is just going to come in and kind of keep running that with his twist on it. What did you think of that whole discussion? It was, it's probably about 10 or 15 minutes of the podcast talking about this. So it was pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. He said essentially that like after Knowles's first year, like it didn't go exactly how he expected. Um, Gundy, I think Gundy said that he told him that he needs to leave somebody in the middle of the field more often. Um, and, and then he said, yeah, that he, he said that I, I the part I thought was interesting about it is that he kind of talked about like Derek Mason wasn't sure if he wanted to keep coaching, um, yeah. after this year and, and that, you know, Gundy told him like, Hey, like, I'm going to let you do your job. I'm an easy guy to work for. Like I'll be hands off. Like, um, you know, you just come in and, and run this defense, um, with, you know, your own little twists on it. So he, he did kind of mention that Mason is going to get to put his you know fingerprints on it. Um, but f- for the most part, it's going to be the same. I think he said that there'll be like a 15%. I don't know where you got that percentage from a 15% <laughs> learning curve for the players. Um, so quick math. Yeah. 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 That was, and usually like the crazy part about this is he'll go like, I'm not very good at math, but, and then he'll like nail it. Um, yeah. Like right after you do it. So. Oh, he's Gundy's very smart. He, I know he <laughs> likes to play like he's not, but no, that, that was a, per- that was kind of my last point I wanted to get to was the 15%. So, The reason why that's a big deal is basically what Gundy is saying is when Jim Knowles came in and took over or when any new defensive coordinator really comes in, there's a hundred percent learning curve for everybody. So what he's saying is because Mason said he was going to come in and run this defense just with an add his own twist on there. It's only a 15% learning curve. So you've got a lot of these new guys, like your Cobbs, your Benson's the guys that didn't play a ton last season, like uh, Corey black and Jabbar Muhammad, they're going to come in with a smaller learning curve because it's the same system they were used to from last year. Just a different guy is calling the plays. I, I thought that was a really interesting point. And for Gundy to call that out, you know, normally he kind of downplays the defense, downplays the offense, unless he's feeling very confident. You know, we saw him in 2017 with the offense, just kind of all off season talking about how good they were. It's interesting to see him say that because he seems really confident in this defense. Yeah. And I think that even if, even if it's not that he's like really, I think he wants to instill that confidence in the group and he wants to, you know, say, Hey, like Derek Mason was a good hire. Like, like let's let him do his job. And and I kind of, like we said, I think he sees the talent that they have back there. Um, You know, it's more of a matter of it meshing together and those guys kind of getting experience. Yeah. hundred percent. So it was a, it was a great podcast. You can find that anywhere you listen to podcasts, not, not that they're paying me or anything. I'm just going to plug it because it was a good listen, but it's the Cowboy Insider Pod. So Marshall, appreciate appreciate you breaking that down with me. If there's nothing else, I say we go ahead and move on to the recruiting. We'll talk a little football and then we'll talk some basketball. Oklahoma State got their 10th commit of the 2023 class. Marshall, do you have any idea how to say the name? I even tried to look it up. I can't find any interviews with him or anything. 
Do, do you have any idea how to say it or do you want so, me to just to attempt it? So, so for the most part, the Polynesian names are exactly as they're written. Like I, cause for a Drew Brown story I wrote back in the day, um, I had to uh, call Sione Finefeyuiaki, former Ooh, OSU Cowboy Beautiful back. pronunciation. Yeah. And you just got to read it. So I'm going to go with Pawasa Utu. Yeah. That's what I was. It, yeah. I was in between Utu and Utu, but it's got to be Utu, I would think. Yeah. I th- I'm going to go with Utu so until he, he tells me I'm wrong. <laughs> so he is a defensive guy defensive end in high school. So I watched a little bit of his tape. I know, I know Marshall, you did too. He's pretty much playing a hand in the ground defensive lineman in a four man front in high school, did some stuff dropping into zone coverage, saw him stand up a few times. He also is obviously an athlete. They had him on the hands team on special teams. I saw he's kind of moved all over the place, but six, one, 205 pounder out of Kennedale high school in Texas he was offered at the down and dirty lineman camp where he came in as a defensive end, but it sounds like Joe Bob Clements wants him to play a true linebacker spot. And from the interviews I've seen with him, I know Cody Nagel wrote about it on two, four, seven. I saw Robert Allen write some stuff and, and you as well that he he's okay with that. But I guess the backup plan would kind of move him more to that Leo spot, but it sounds like this might be Oklahoma state's first true linebacker in the 2023 class. Yeah, and I think for Oklahoma State fans who just kind of like go and look at his recruiting profile, it can be a little alarming. Um, you know, right after he announced his Oklahoma State offer, he announced an offer to to East Central um, in Ada. So like that that can be a little alarming. Incarnate but I think, word. Yeah, yeah, but but I think you can the fact that he went to OSU's camp, uh, the coaches were able to kind of get their hands on him and, and see what he's good at and and evaluate him like that. I think he should feel pretty good because you know, like we've kind of mentioned, Mike Gundy's got a, a knack for finding diamonds in the rough type guys. Uh, but yeah, his, his film was kind of interesting. He looks a little undersized as, but maybe it's because a, he's playing defensive end and then B he's wearing number 99 and that's like firm <laughs> defensive tackle number. So, so uh, maybe that's, that's more so maybe if they lined him up at linebacker that, you know, he wouldn't look as, as little, but I, I thought he's pretty quick off the ball. Um, and his stats were ri- ridiculous. I oh, forgot, yeah. Yeah. What is actual so numbers were? But- 97 tackles. 41 of those for loss and 19 sacks. Yeah. Which is, that's just, you know, that's ridiculous. And it's not like he's playing. That's like create a player on Madness. Yeah. 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 And it's not like he's playing at, you know, like Purcell or something like that. Like he's like, it's a pretty big, I think it's like South of Fort Worth by a little bit. It's kind of like on the outskirts of Fort Worth. Um, So yeah, I, I, I think that Oklahoma state fans can find comfort in the fact that he attended OSC's camp and the coaches kind of got to put their hands on him and see what he was like before they offered him. And it's not just kind of coming totally out of nowhere. And now that he's got the OSU offer, he will be ranked on these recruiting websites. So that's just how it works. They don't know about these guys. They get one power five offer and they're automatically a three-star. So we'll just call him a three-star recruit. But again, Marshall, his cousin knows Benny Tonga's brother. Is is Benny Tonga going to recruit? I saw you say this in the chamber. Is he just going to recruit the whole class? I think, I think he might, you know, they've got the, uh, the Utah commit, who's kind of the, you know, everybody's kind of waiting to see what happens there. Another linebacker. Yeah. Um, they've already got, uh, I can't think of his name right now. They've already got the, the kid from Trinity. Um, yeah. They've got uh, Ricky Lolahia. Yeah. They've already yeah. got Ricky Lolahia. So like this, this might be the Vinny Tonga class uh, as far as everything's <laughs> concerned. And, and for the most part, I feel like those Polynesian kids are a little undervalued in like different recruiting rankings and stuff like that. There's obviously exceptions to the rule, like Tua and stuff like that, but um, you know, even like a like Jalen Warren, he's came out of nowhere. It seemed like every chance he got, he like led Utah in rushing a, as a high school senior. 
then he goes the Juco route and then he goes to Utah state and, and then, you know, Oklahoma state fans got to see what he was like last year. So um, yeah, I think it's uh, I, I wrote a big Benny Tonga story before the festival. Um, and he, he's an awesome dude. Um, really good at bringing Polynesian kids um, into Stillwater. So yeah, it, it might be time to, to get him another raise, I think. Yeah, I saw that. That was a that was a great piece, by the way. Uh, at the at the camp, four six five forty and a thirty one point one inch vertical. So if he does stick on the defensive line, he's going to be one of the most athletic defensive linemen on the team. Um, along with the commit, we've got some new offers and some top top lists to talk about. First one, Marjavius Moss. He's a four star cornerback. 5'11", 180 pounds, a Shreveport guy. We've seen Oklahoma State land a lot of these Louisiana kids recently. He's got 15 offers in the cycle. That includes Baylor, Louisiana Tech, Memphis, Minnesota, Mississippi State, Tulane. I believe he's currently a three-star, the 286th overall prospect in the 2023 class. Marshall, what do you think What do you think about your guy, Marjavius? I think that – I don't think that the – so I think what's good here is that um, two, four, seven actually has him. The, the composite rankings actually have him as a four-star guy right now. Oh so yeah. Sorry. I, I said four and then three, my bad. On that. Yeah. So I think he'd be the top if he were to, you know, commit today, which is always the, the saying that he'd be the top guy. And I, I don't think his offer list is like, like it's not something that Oklahoma state can overcome. You know, Baylor's obviously yeah. really good. Um, you know, having won the big 12 and then winning the sugar bowl. Um, that that's obviously a big deal. He visited uh, Minnesota as well. But other than that, like you kind of look down his offer list for, for a four-star guy. And that's definitely something that, that Oklahoma state could overcome. Um, I believe Rodarius was from Shreveport, um, Kelvians from, from Louisiana. Uh, so Jark Bernard Converse as well. Jark, Jark Bernard Converse. So I, I think there's a lot of inroads that they can maybe hit, especially, you know, uh, Duffy himself could hit by saying, Hey, look, I've, they, I brought these kids out, you know, uh, of, you know, similar area from you and, and now look at them. So, uh, I think that's a that's a good offer, and and it's kind of weird that you know given you know usually his ranking um, would kind of match his his offer list. And- yeah, you're right. It it doesn't really. It it is pretty interesting. He, <laughs> this is another guy you watch. With, I feel like Oklahoma State's offered multiple guys like this recently in the past couple classes. I saw him lined up at running back, receiver. He took snaps at Wildcat quarterback. He's playing deep safety. I saw him at the nickel. He's the return man on special teams. Saw him line up on the edge one time and rush the quarterback. Just a guy who's all over the place. And I I like these guys like that because they have, I feel like, more of an overall football IQ because they're learning these different positions. Now, the other side to that is maybe they don't get as many reps at their position they're going to go play in college. But in high school, I don't know if that matters as much as kind of learning the game. Yeah. And I especially think it's maybe if you're, you know, in Alabama or in Ohio state and you're kind of like a factory for that, but I think, especially if you're going to go to an Oklahoma state um, and just kind of the way that they do things and you, you, you're Malcolm Rodriguez's of the world who are playing safety or playing linebacker are just kind of playing football. Um, I, I think that fits really well into to kind of what Gundy likes. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, wanted to hit one more of the, the top list. So, Kevion Huddleston, three-star defensive line prospect, 6'4", 235-pounder out of Tyler, Texas. He threw out a top seven recently. OSU made the cut with K-State, uh, TCU, Texas Tech, UTSA, Arkansas, and Prairie View A&M. It looks like um, – I think he had like 15 total offers, so he trimmed that down to seven. Marshall, heard anything about this guy or – do you think this is a guy Oklahoma State could end up landing when you look at that top seven list? 
I haven't heard anything particularly on them, but it's another like list that, that Oklahoma state, there's some of these lists here recently, especially there's been a lot of defensive linemen that have that put OSU on their top list, but that have, they kind of have that, that upper echelon that like OSU is kind of like the last thought of school. It's like a bunch of blue bloods and OSU. Um, but, but this list isn't, you know, isn't anything that's going to, you know, giant beating or anything like that. So I think that I, I don't know a ton about him. I haven't really followed him very closely. I'm sure I have notifications on him on Twitter because I do that for everybody, but um, that, that seems like a, that seems like a pretty uh, overcomable task for Oklahoma state. Just kind of looking at those names on that list. And Marshall, the last thing I wanted to hit before we move on to talk about a couple of official visits, you had a Q and a with uh, Jordan Sanford, four-star defensive back who has, who's in the mix with Oklahoma state. How did that go? I, I know there was a couple of interesting questions and answered. He kind of talked about day in the life of an official visit. Um, and w- do you get the sense, uh, you know, kind of how did that interview go? And do you get the sense that he's maybe thinking Oklahoma state is a real option? And if so, do you have any idea when he would be committing? Yeah. So I think that, I think he really liked Oklahoma state, took an official visit and I forget when it was. Um, he, he told me that he wanted to make a commitment before a senior year of high school. Um, so that lead me to believe like next month, maybe early August, something like that. Um, but yeah, he was a really interesting and kind of thoughtful kid. He is a four-star cornerback now, uh, but he didn't have a single offer at the end of his junior season. Uh, he didn't get his first offer till December. Um, he's kind of flown up the boards because he's really fast in track. I believe he got seventh in, in Texas state track. Um, and I kind of asked, I asked him like, was there a time last year when you weren't getting any offers? Like, did you think, Oh, maybe I just don't play college football. Maybe I'm like a college track guy. And, you know, he just kind of told me that he didn't really think of it like that, that he just thought, you know, he was just trying to win a state championship. And he said, when you think about the right things then then things usually work out. And I thought that was a really mature take for, for a guy of his, you know, he, he's like a high school going into a senior year. Um, and, you know, he's seen both sides of the recruitment where he's not getting recruited. And now all of a sudden he's a four-star guy. So I thought that was a really mature take from him. Um, and, and yeah, I, th- I think Oklahoma state's a legit possibility there, but I think that one's going to be a little tougher than, than some think he he's taken his, his visits and I believe he's in Washington right now, or maybe he's going to Washington this weekend. So, um, he's, he's still kind of taking his visits and, and kind of seeing what he, what he likes. Yeah. He, he seemed like an awesome interview. I, I love that Q and a, um, it'll be interesting kind of see what he does, but we'll be expecting, I guess a commitment sometime relatively soon from him if it's going to be before senior year. If you want to check that out, uh, you can subscribe on Pistols Frying to the Chamber, and Marshall has the Q and A's with recruits, both basketball and football, on there. They're they're always awesome, so definitely go check those out. Um, f- wrapping up football, a couple of official visits. So Cameron Hurd, recent commit to Oklahoma State, wide receiver out of Houston, Texas, Fur High School. He was a guy that came to the show and really impressed the show camp and really impressed. He just finished an official, an official visit. And then along with him, Utah commit who you mentioned earlier, Mate Mateki Hilu, I believe is how you say it. And I also don't even know how to say that town in Utah. I think it's Tuella. Tuella. I, I was just going to say tool. Cause I don't know that Utah yeah. <laughs> knows their Polynesian. So I, I don't know. Yeah. But I don't know on that one either. So he's a six foot, 200, 200 pound. He's listed as an athlete, but I believe he would come in and play linebacker for Oklahoma state, more of that true linebacker position. He says he's still committed to Utah. I know there's been some question. He kind of went silent about it on Twitter, but I, 
every quote I've seen, he's talking really well about this Oklahoma State visit. So maybe this is somebody they can flip. They offered him back in February. He's another Polynesian guy, Benny Tonga, I'm sure is involved. So we'll kind of see what happens there. I know he's still taking, believe, or he recently took a BYU and Nebraska visit. So we'll kind of see what happens with him there. But I think this would be a nice pickup. Yeah, so it- – I think he still has his, his Utah official visit. I think that's coming up. And whenever Gundy put his tweet out, um, whenever that was yesterday or the day before um, for uh, Utu, I, I initially didn't know who it was. So I was kind of like racking my brain, like, oh, crap, who's going to be, who's going to be. And I thought it was Hilu. Um, and then I oh, saw that nice. he had a, yeah, I thought he saw, then I saw that he had a Utah official visit coming up. And I was like, well, that's going to be really awkward. Does he just like cancel that? Or like, <laughs> so I, I already, already wrote a thing. I'd already got like already. And so just because he was, like you mentioned, he was talking so, so highly of it, his highlight tape. I don't know if you watched that yet. It is brutal. He, yeah. there's, there's at one point it's like in the two minute mark. If you, you want to go watch it. Um, there's like a punter, like bobbles to snap and that punter might still be like imprinted into the turf there on whatever Utah field that is. He hits really hard. He's, he was really fun to watch. He plays running back for that uh, school too. Has some pretty nasty cuts um, left some kids in the, in the dirt. So um, his highlights are a lot of fun to watch. I believe he's in like the 900s ranking somehow, but just kind of looking at his highlights, you're like, wow, this, this kid's actually like really, really good. He's another one of those guys who's just kind of like a football player. Um, yeah. yeah he, he hits so hard. He's another guy that plays, like you said, running back. I saw him lined up at receiver, safety, linebacker, I, just all over the place. So you can tell Oklahoma State has in their mindset what they want out of a linebacker position. And they want athletes. They want Malcolm Rodriguez. They want Devin Harper. They want these guys who measure off the charts in the 40, in the vertical jump, in the bench press. And those are the guys they want to bring in. So it it's kind of cool to see that they, and it's not like this is like a revelation. They've been doing it now for, for several years, but they, they know what they like at the linebacker spot. And that's what they're trying to bring in. And you see it on the flip side, they're kind of shifting how, what they want to do at the cowboy back spot. So it's just funny, you know, that, and you know, Gundy loves his two sport athletes and stuff like that. So it, it's funny. You can kind of tell what they're going after, after a couple cycles. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, they're kind of the jumbo receivers now at cowboy back. That's kind of what they're, they're going after. And then after he saw the, uh, the Baylor defensive tackle, he started offering a bunch of ginormous, you know, <laughs> defensive tackles. He said, I need one of those. Um, and then he, even going back further, uh, there was a time that I forget what year it was, but he said that they were like walking off the field at Texas um, and they had that, that Australian punter who now believes with the Seahawks. And he just said, like he, he said, he leaned over to somebody and says, Hey, we need a kid from Australia to punt the ball. And now they've got Tom Hutton. So it's kind of, it's kind of cool that he like kind of sees this stuff, notices it. Um, and then, you know, he's smart. He's smart on it. Yeah. And, and no matter kind of what like a, he wants us to think he's smart. Yeah. And it's kind of like a, if you get enough of those, like if they get enough jumbo, tight end like surely one of those guys is going to work out the way that he wants to so um i think that's kind of why you see them offer so many but yeah um i, I kind of love when that happens just because it's like oh here comes a, a string of 340 pound defensive tackles like so yeah those, those really are always funny fun. um well marshall thank you for letting and i appreciate your time on this uh i know we're going really long so we'll go ahead and switch to basketball now i think we've covered everything football unless there's anything i missed Um, But before that, we'll take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor. All right, guys, listen up. Sponsor on the podcast, Homefield Apparel, is absolutely crushing it. If you haven't checked them out yet, you absolutely need to. I mean, they are 
leading the charge in premium vintage collegiate apparel right now. Uh, I mean, they are offering vintage college sports t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies with over 100 schools available. And I mean, they're adding new ones all the time. This is the perfect gift. Uh, home field apparel for the sports fan, for the college sports fan. You got to go check them out and use our promo code FEELS12 to get 15% off your first order. And of course, all orders over $100 get free shipping as always. Promo code FEELS12, 15% off your first order. And all orders over $100 get free shipping at Home Field Apparel. Visit them at homefieldapparel.com. All right, Marshall. So let's get into basketball. Before we talk, the main thing I want to talk to you about was the contact period. You're very locked in, like you are with football recruiting to basketball recruiting. So wanted to get your take on some stuff from there. But before that, just want to hit one quick random basketball note. The SEC Big 12 Challenge came out, the schedule for that. Oklahoma State is going to play Ole Miss on January 28th. That'll be on ESPN. I'm not that interested in that game. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's it would have been a lot more fun if this was last year and then there was like the Bryce Williams angle from coming from Ole Miss. Yeah. But uh, I'm just kind of glad because it feels like every year they either get South Carolina or Arkansas in it. And I'm always game for Arkansas. Like that's always yeah. like a fun. That's always a fun game. But like I mean, like was it Florida last year? Yeah, they, they went yeah. to Florida last year and they had that woeful second half where they just missed every shot that they put up. So, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's not. I mean, it's another. It's I'd rather be Ole Miss than than playing a game against you know Oakland or some Horizon League yeah. team. So right. Uh, but yeah, it's not overly overly exciting. At least it's in Stillwater. Um, so, but but yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of meh. Yeah, it it's it's a different opponent, so it'll be fun to kind of watch somebody new come into Stillwater. Sure, it'll be a fun game to go to. It's just you'd love you'd love Arkansas. That's always a fun one. You'd love even I know they're it's always Kansas and Kentucky pretty much, but you'd love a you'd love a Kentucky. Something like that would be fun. And like I said, even the Florida, the Florida was fun. Georgia may be fun because of all the all the transfer portal stuff, like not just the Matthew Alexander Moncrief and things like that, but uh, Rondell Walker being linked to them, the Eric Pastrana angle there. So that, that would have been a fun one, but, um, yeah, it's going to be Ole Miss. So we'll see. Yeah. I think it's based off of like the standings. So that's why yeah. it's like always Kentucky and Kansas. So, yeah. Um, yeah. If OSU wants Kentucky, then, then they're going to have to go win it all. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we won this national championship because we want to play Kentucky in the big 12 SEC challenge next year. Hey, goals. Those are, <laughs> those are the goals. Um, okay. Marshall. So, Big, big story for basketball, contact period going on. Oklahoma State has sent out a lot of offers recently. I'll just kind of run down them and then run through them, and then we can kind of break them down. And, and then also wanted to get your take on David Castillo as well. But Derek Queen, five-star center out of Mount Verde, just recently got an offer. Jalen Shelley, four-star small forward out of Frisco, Lone Star. T.O. Barrett, not ranked, point guard out of Edmond North. And, and I, I believe that was it. Am I missing one? I, I believe think those are the three. Yeah, I think those are the ones that they, they'd offered, the new guys that they'd offered, yeah. So, Marshall, what are your takes on these guys? Maybe let's start with Derek Queen. Uh, is this, you know, overall what's your take on him, and is this someone Oklahoma State realistically has a shot with? So, yeah, so there's the, the contact period for the 2024s, which means it's the first day that coaches could reach out directly to athletes in the 2024 class. Um, there was like different means that they could have before, but, but now they're like texting and stuff all the time. So um, as far as Derek Queen goes um, at a Montverde, which is a big deal because that's Kate Cunningham. Uh, he went to school there um, in Florida. 
And then another kind of link that they have is that Derek Queen was the only 2024 player invited to the USA basketball under 18 camp uh, where Mike Boynton was an assistant coach. Um, he, he didn't end up making the team that went to, to Mexico to play in that, that tournament. But um, the fact that Mike Boynton saw him there and, and kind of got to you know put his hands on him, coach him a little bit, I'd imagine that's what they kind of stood out. So um, it does Oklahoma State have shot there. I don't know. It kind of depends, I guess, on, on how tightly they bonded in that, that short amount of time. Uh, but six, he's like six foot nine, two twenty. He's like a bigger built kid, but he's really light on his feet whenever you watch his film. Um, so, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's you know going to be a five star guy. I'm pretty sure and he's number six in the 2024 class. Um, do they have a shot at him? Maybe. Um, kind of like I said, it kind of just depends on on how tight him and Boynton got over that time. And there is some talk about him maybe reclassifying right to 2023. I, I hadn't read that, but I also hadn't like I aside from writing that little write up on him, I didn't didn't dive too deeply. But I, I think I, I think there's a rumor that he may reclassify. So that's something to watch as well, because, you know, Oklahoma State after the Parker Fredrickson decommitment, they do not have a 2023 commit right now. So like you said, he's got this is a big time guy, five star. He's got a lot of big time offers. So we'll kind of see from there. I appreciate that breakdown on him. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on Shelly? I, I like I like watching him. He's very, very explosive. So I haven't, I haven't really, I haven't watched him yet. Um, I'd written the thing and then I usually do like a separate offer post, but that yeah. was right after I, I wrote that big, long thing of everybody. And I was like, I'm not going to write one, but <laughs> I, I think, I think exciting. Obviously got a good offer list. Um, you know, a top 40 guy in the class um, being from Frisco Lone Star, maybe you get Jaden Nixon and, and Garrett Rangel to, to write him a, a letter or something like that. And then uh, uh, kind of get down there, but you know, it's a DFW kid and, and Boynton has been really successful with those kind of you know, type of guys. Um, it's just more so a matter of, can he overcome, you know, schools like Texas and Tennessee and, and Iowa and K-State and, and all those guys kind of being in earlier uh, than, than he was at this point. And then lastly, Barrett's interesting you know, we've seen Mike Boynton go after a lot of these five, four-star guys, get in the mix, and then, you know, land some of them. Barrett is not ranked right now at Edmund North. Seems like kind of an interesting, interesting recruit prospect. I know he plays for Team Griffin on the Nike YBL circuit. It's it's a little bit different than what Boynton has been offering recently, I feel. Am I, am I wrong on that? Well, I, I think for the most part, if it's an Oklahoma kid, Boynton usually dishes Take out an offer. yeah. yeah. Um, so it, it didn't surprise me too much. I, I went golfing with Cam Jordan. Of, he writes for the Oklahoman. Um, he covers Oklahoma, or like high schools for the Oklahoman. And I was just like, hey, do you know anything about this kid? And, and Cam seems to think that he's like a, a D1 caliber guy. Um, so that's that's good. Edmund North won, you know, 6A state championship in basketball this year. And I believe like their two best players um, with T.O. And, and then another kid on their team are both sophomores. Um, so it looks like they're kind of going to run the state here for a little bit. Um, kind of a long rangy kid um, averages like 8.1 points um, on the, uh, I believe he's on the 16 U circuit uh, for, for Nike's UIBL um, shoots 53% from the field, 42% from three. So, I mean, all good numbers seems like a, like a long defender type. So I, I wasn't overly shocked that Boynton took a flyer on him. I just really hadn't heard of him much before, before he did. Yeah. Same here. He, he was somebody kind of under the radar for me. Uh, and lastly, during the contact period, I know, I know they're reaching out to him, trying to get David Castillo, number one player in the state, out of Bartlesville, five-star point guard. Do they have any shot here with Castillo, do you think, as of right now? I think they definitely do. I think it's, it's still like really early in his process. He's got a Kansas offer, so that's like obviously a big deal. But 
whenever they brought in um, Brandon Garrison and Trent Pierce, two 2023 guys uh, that both play on Team Griffin, I know they brought them in for their official visits a couple weekends ago. Uh, they actually had David Castillo also come. They went to the, like, the baseball, the OSU baseball game together. They're out in the corrals, like grilling burgers and stuff like that. So I think they're kind of trying to sell them on, you know, this is your family, this is the family atmosphere um, and, and things like that. He's been on Oklahoma State's campus a lot. Um, Oklahoma State had to have been one of his first offers. Uh, so I think that there's a legitimate shot there. Um, it's just kind of more of a matter of like, is this going to turn into like a Bryce Thompson situation where, you know, Tulsa kid ends up going to Kansas instead, and then maybe they get him on, on some sort of rebound. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I, I think there is a legit shot there. You wonder if NIL is going to end up playing a, a major role in, you know, some of those blue bloods that are going to be after him are going to be able to uh, not directly offer him more money, but some some somebody somewhere from, from one of those towns is going to be able to offer more money. So um, I, I think that's something that you might worry a little bit about, but I think they're right up there with, you know, got to be like a top three kind of contender right now for him. Yeah, that's – I mean, that's going to be very interesting to watch because he is an extremely talented player. And for OSU to be in the mix, you know, is big time. Um, lastly, before we kind of move on to some of the miscellaneous talk and the questions, you had another Q&A. Can you say his name for me so I don't mess up his first name? So this was literally the first question I asked him, but I wasn't <laughs> I didn't hit record because I went back yesterday to like, hey, how did I do this? So yeah. I'm going to say Jamie Ron. Jamie but, Ron, Jamie Ron but, Keller. Uh, yeah, yes, but I we'll just call him Keller for, for, for <laughs> sake. But yeah, I, that was literally the first question I asked him, and then I didn't record it, and I totally don't remember. <laughs> so he's a 2023 guy, which we we mentioned. Oklahoma State does not have a 2023 commit in the class yet. Six one point guard from Texas. I think he I think he was offered a couple of weeks ago, and then he's already been on an official visit. Ten point one points, ten point seven or two point seven assists per game. Uh, so far, I believe that's in his AAU stats. So what is – what are the chances that they – I mean, do you see this being the guy that Oklahoma State lands in the 2023 class? Because, I mean, I mean, you know they're not going to land very many, if any at all. Is this, is this the guy? And if so, is that big time? Yeah, so I think that they still have legit shots on Brandon Garrison, uh, especially Brandon Garrison. Right. Um, Trent Pierce is – he transferred from Union to a you know, charter school in Arizona – so I think his recruitment from here on out can get kind of weird. Um, but yeah, Keller was interested. It kind of reminded me of uh, Keon Williams, their only freshman on the team this year, in that they offered Keon last year, you know, in the middle of AAU season. And then all of a sudden Keon was on campus. And then all of a sudden he committed to Oklahoma State. It happened really fast. Um, and this kind of reminds me of something similar. Um, in, in talking to him, he seemed it seemed like he really loved Oklahoma State. He really loved his visit. He really loved like hanging out with, you know, the roster. Um, he said that, you know, what he looks for most in a program is kind of a family feel, um, which is like, that's all you ever hear about Oklahoma State. And then I asked him whenever, you know, like, when, when do you think you'd like to commit to a place? Um, and, and he just said that, you know, he didn't want to make an emotional decision, uh, but he does want to sign, I think, in, in November or whenever that, that early sign is. Uh, but it seemed like if he was ready to make an emotional decision that he would have committed to Oklahoma State. Um, I mentioned it kind of reminded me of Keon, but it also kind of reminds me of his situation, kind of reminds me of Mike Miles. Um, I believe Keller is like somewhere in the 174 or something like that ranked in the composite rankings and Mike Miles TCU guard um, who, who visited Oklahoma state and just had a killer sophomore year uh, this past season. Um, he was, you know, like 170 in that 2020 class. Um, so it, he's Keller is kind of like a pass first guy. He busted a backboard um, already this, this spring. Oh, that's uh, so awesome. that's, yeah, so that's freaking sweet. 
Um, but I think that, I think he's kind of, his ranking is going to rise a little bit. He's kind of getting more notoriety, a little bit more offers. Um, but he, obviously I think whenever he does, if he does commit that, uh, it's going to kind of raise some eyebrows that, Hey, this isn't the normal Mike Boynton, you know, four or five star guy. Uh, but I think that he's going to be that, you know, a solid player in the college ranks, um, being a pass first guy needs to work on his three point shot. Uh, but he's just kind of coming out of nowhere right now. Yeah, no, I, I like it. I, I like that they're in on him. I think it'd be a great get I like what I've seen so far and love the, love the interview. It's another one you can check out on the Pistons firing chamber. So Marshall, I mean, unless I miss something, I think we're good on basketball as well. I think, I think we've done it. It only took us you know, an hour and 10 and <laughs> an hour. In. So before, before we wrap up and probably not going to, we'll, we won't talk us open. None of the OSU guys made the cut. It was, it was definitely interesting, but you know, this, uh, we're not really doing a golf a lot of golf on this podcast. And since none of those guys made the cut, we'll kind of skip over that. I did, before we get to questions, I wanted to hear a word from another one of our sponsors, Price Buckley. Price is the fourth generation in his family to graduate from Oklahoma State University, and he loves working with fellow alumni. Price uses a personalized approach to build a custom investment strategy tailored to your unique goals and circumstances so that you can turn your ideal future into a reality. You can reach Price at 469-757-0290 or on his website at edwardjones.com backslash price hyphen Buckley. That's B-U-C-K-L-E-Y. Thanks, Price. Really appreciate it. All right, Marshall. Got a few questions. I let everybody know you were going to be on the podcast. So we got some. We've got a few in the mentions and then some in the DMs. Uh, we already hit a couple. I talked about Ross Lawyer asking about Cole Birmingham. The next one we have in the mentions is Weston at CW Mason 92. Weston, appreciate the question. He says, Langston Anderson was tabbed as a starter before injury. Do you see him getting back into the starting lineup if he stays healthy? I don't know about starting, but I think he's looked so good in the limited a limited practice I've been able to watch, but then B limited practice that he's actually been able to have before his freak injuries keep happening. But um, you know, he's, he's got the pedigree. He was like a four-star guy coming out of, out of uh, high school. I, I really hope that this is kind of his year that, that he kind of is able to stay healthy and just have a normal college football season. You know what that looks like statistic wise. I'm not really sure. Um, but I hope that he at least, you know, finally gets some run here in 2022. Yeah, he's he's so talented. I mean, if you go back and watch his high school tape, it's like watching a Des Bryant. You know, it's it's I, I wrote about him for Pistols Firing back when he back when he was coming out of high school. If he were to stay healthy, I think he's someone that could be a major contributor. The thing is, kind of like what you pointed out, there's so many guys and so many guys got reps last season, so many young guys. You know, Gundy keeps mentioning that. It's gonna, I think it's gonna be difficult for him to kind of pull away as the breakout guy, just with very, very little college reps in general and all the injury issues, I don't even know where he's at athletically. I know you, you mentioned, you know, he still looks really good in practice, but I would love it if, if he became, if he got back into the starting lineup, that means he's absolutely dominating. But I think I agree with you. He's someone that I think could play a role, but I'm not sure how big it would be next season. And maybe, maybe there's a situation where somebody ahead of him on the depth chart gets injured and then all of a right. sudden he finally gets his shot. I mean, it's like a full thing and he totally takes advantage of it. Um, but yeah, kind of like we've, we've been mentioning, I'm just not sure that it's, it's his spot to lose necessarily because of all those guys that have already got, you know, so many reps last year. 
hundred percent agree. Uh, the last one in the mentions is from our guy CC at Curse of Cowboys. He's always sending us the over unders. We love these. Over under OSU finishes the twenty twenty three football recruiting class ranking at thirty. He's setting the line at thirty. He says he's got to think thirty is a huge letdown after another great season. So I looked right before we hopped on. And they're currently 21st with the 10 commits. And that's that's counting Utu not having a ranking on 247. So I think that may actually go up if they end up ranking him as a three-star, just with the overall you know volume of commits that they have right now at 10. But Marshall, what do you think? Over, under, where do they finish? Or over, under 30 on their finish? And if if it's over 30, do you agree that it's a letdown? So kind of two questions there. So I think that it's going to, cause the, the guys that they have right now, they don't have a ton. They might have like one or two four star guys since the most recent update. Um, but they don't have a ton of like guys that the, uh, they don't have, they don't have a four star guy. I just looked the, yeah, they don't have a ton of guys. Right yeah. They don't have a ton of guys that the rankings really love. So I do think that they're going to end up finishing higher than 30, which I don't know if that's over or under because you want to have a lower number here, but my, my brain's like doing jumping jacks, but I think they'll <laughs> finish somewhere between in the thirties or forties. Um, is it a disappointment? I'm not, I, I don't, I think that they've, you know, the staff with, you know, Rob glasses, who we mentioned, they've kind of earned the benefit of the doubt and that they're going to recruit who they recruit. Um, and it's going to work out and that's just going to, you know, kind of be how it is. Um, you know, you also wonder, cause it seems like they've missed out on some, some of the guys that they've gone after who are four-star guys. You wonder how much NIL is, you know, playing a major toll in it. So even if it does feel like a, a letdown because of the awesome year that they had last year, well, now all of a sudden NIL is like adding this whole new factor and how much does that play into things and where a kid might be like, Hey, you can go play for this team that won the festival, or you can go get, you know, $200,000 or whatever it is. So um, yeah, I, I think that they'll finish higher in 30 than the rankings. Um, it's kind of unfortunate, but I, I think that they're just going to, recruit how they recruit. Um, and I think they've, they've earned that right with, you know, how consistent they've been so far. Yeah. And I actually agree with you. I, I think it's going to be right over. I think 30 is a great line. I mean, our guy CC always puts the line <laughs> really good. He should do some of the odds in Vegas, but I think it's going to be right over 30, like a 32, 33. And like you said, I don't think that's a huge disappointment because another thing you have to think about is what they're probably only going to take like 16 guys in this class with so many guys with the COVID year, bringing in some transfers, they had guys transfer out, but we, Kate and I have talked about it, you know, all off season. There's not, there's not a ton of room in this class. They've got a lot of underclassmen. So, you know, that's going to hurt the overall ranking if they're not filling the class completely, because people are going to bump up, even if it's all three stars higher up. So kind of what the point you made earlier, the other thing that I'm a little bit worried about, and I forgot to mention this earlier, my bad on that. You've got guys like Cam Franklin taking official visits to TCU over the weekend and Billy Walton, who's got one set up to go to Texas. I'm a little scared about that because those are guys, I mean, those are three-star guys, but those are guys who I think are going to get a bump in the rankings. And if they move to four-star and then transfer out, that doesn't help your class ranking at all there. Yeah. So especially, so the Cam Franklin not transfer stuff, out, but decommit, sorry. Yeah. 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 The, the Cam Franklin stuff was really interesting. He visited TCU um, then I believe like two, like maybe the TCU 247 guy. And then one of the national guys, they said, they like predicted that he was going to flip the TCU. But then after Utu committed last night, <laughs> yeah. he called, like Cam Franklin was in his mentions, like saying, this is the best decision best you ever decision. made, like add me on snap or, and things like that. And then I believe Robert 
uh, Allen spoke with him yesterday. Yeah, um, says 110% committed. Yeah, and you wonder, could that be 115%? I don't know. Um, so so I, I think with, just with the way that he seemed to welcome Utu in yesterday, I feel like that means that he's sticking around. Yeah. Because um, it kind of seemed like whenever the, you know, the 247 guys were, were saying that he's flipping, it kind of seemed like it was already like a understood thing that that was going to happen. That's usually kind of how those go. But yeah, that, that was a weird, what it was, 48 hours where it all of a sudden looked like they were losing Cam Franklin. As far as uh, Billy Walton goes, I don't, I don't really know. Uh, much about that situation um but i do probably find it a little bit concerning that if he's visiting texas um and texas is nil you know capabilities um that that maybe something happens there but but i don't know enough about that situation to to give really firm details on it well now on the flip side of that and thank you for breaking down that franklin situation as well but on the flip side of that if these guys take these visits and end up staying committed to oklahoma state they're probably going to get a bump as well (laughs) stars. so that helps the oklahoma state class I also think Zane Flores, I don't know if he gets bumped all the way to four star, but the elite 11 stuff and things like that, I do think he takes a bump in the next, in the next rankings. I think Jaden Foreman is another guy who could take a bump. So we'll kind of see how this plays out, but I I do think 30 is, is a good line. I think it's going to be around there, but I agree with you. I don't think it's a huge letdown because I think they're taking who they want in this class. So. Yeah, and especially with guys like hey, Cameron Hurd, he was unranked whenever he committed a couple weeks ago. Now he's one of the higher guys in the class. Um, and then Utu, who we mentioned, those are both guys that they went to camp. OSU got their hands on. I, I think Oklahoma State fans should feel good about that, that they've, you know, the coaches have worked with him and then they felt good enough to say, hey, I would like you on my team. Yeah, I completely agree. All right, thanks everybody in the mentions for those. We've got a couple in the uh, DMs. We had one from earlier. I forgot to shout, shout out uh, Brian Benabe at Brian underscore Benabe. He asked us to talk about the Gundy uh, Dave Hunziker podcast. So we hit that earlier. Thanks, Brian, for the question. Really appreciate that. We've got Philip Slavin, the Ten Twelve Network's own, our uh, our parent podcast network. He thanks Philip for the question. He says, if you could reverse one Oklahoma State football injury during the Mike Gundy area era, who would it be and why would it be Danny Godlevsky? <laughs> this tweet actually got a lot of interaction. Um, it was pretty interesting to kind of read some of the replies there. Marshall, who do you who do you think in the Mike Gundy era? What's 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 an injury you would want to reverse? And I mean, even even if you want to have like a whole season, if it was multiple injuries, what What's something, what's your answer on that? So I think the Danny Goodleski thing, obviously, I think that makes the big, because you think surely they can get one yard, Danny Goodleski <laughs> is center in that Victoria Championship game. Um, so I think that one probably had the most, I don't know, wrapped into it, but I try to think of some others. Um, I thought of uh, Rudolph and Bedlam in 2015. Um, they put J.W. Walsh out there, who had a semi-decent game, uh, but Rudolph like broke his foot or his ankle or, or something like that. He came out through three passes. One of them, I think, was a pick six. Um, they got absolutely torched um, for a big 12 title uh, that, you know, that, that ended up being Baker Mayfield's and OU's. And I, I'm honestly not even sure because I was at that game is freezing cold. Uh, my toes were like little balls of ice. Um, I'm not even sure that um, OSU wins that game if Rudolph's healthy, but I think it's at least respectable and it at least would have given me more reason to stand in the cold uh, than what it was. And then the other, only other one I could think of, I didn't go back very, very far but was uh, Justice Hill in 2018 Bedlam. Um, that was, Chuba was kind of performing better than him anyways, uh, but then he got hurt during that game. Um, and then Chuba had like a late fumble where he kind of got rolled up on um, that kind of turned the tides of, of that game a little bit. 
Um, so you wonder if maybe, maybe if Justice Hill's healthy and they're kind of sharing the load a little bit more that, you know, they win that game and all of a sudden Corndog is, you know, national hero because he, he beats OU. So um, that was kind of the only one I could think of. A, a lot of them had to do with Bedlam because those are the ones that are, are seared in my memory as hard. No, as I, I love both of those. And, and Corndog is a national hero, but I love, uh, I love both of those, Marshall. Those were great. Those are, and different than the one that I grabbed. I, I actually went back to a season seasons, I guess, because I'm kind of going to talk, talk about this through two of when I was in school. So the 20, the 2008 season, Oklahoma State finishes nine and four. Des Bryant stats that season, 87 receptions, 1,480 yards, 19 receiving touchdowns. The rest of the team had a combined six receiving touchdowns. He, he was the passing game. And then Kendall Hunter and Keith Tostin and also Zach Robinson dominated on the ground. So they basically return everybody in 2009. It's a defense with Parrish Cox, Hugo Chinasa, Jamie Blatnick, Patrick Levine, Andre Sexton, Markel Martin, just to name a few. And Des Bryant, this, I know this isn't really an injury, and I'm going to talk about injuries as well, but Des Bryant has the dinner, lunch, whatever, at Deion Sanders' house, lies to the NCAA about it. He sits out basically the entire season, plays, plays three games. Marshall, Des was still the second leading receiver on that team and had the most receiving touchdowns, only playing in three games that year. This is a team that went 9-4, and four, and they lose – their final two games, OU and Ole Miss in the Cotton Bowl, after Zach Robinson's arm is basically hanging on by a thread. So there's your one injury. And also something else people forget is Kendall Hunter banged up his ankle that season and only played in eight games and was pretty much banged up the entire time. So I know, I know I'm kind of cheating listing off multiple things, but you're talking about a team coming off a nine and four season who's loses their their entire receiving production. One of the best running backs in the country who went on to have a solid pro career as well. I know they had Tostin too, but Kendall Hunter, your quarterback getting banged up at the end of the season. I I mean, if if none of that stuff happens, you're talking about, I mean, if this team beats OU and you know they don't drop one of those early games, or they dropped one more after Dez. They, they actually lost one with Dez out there. I think it was to Houston. But you're talking about this going down maybe as one of the best OSU teams in the Gundy era. I mean, don't you think? Yeah, I don't want to get too riled up about the NCAA at this particular moment <laughs> in my life right now. But th- those were kind of – those were some of my my formative years of, uh, you know, Zach Robinson looks so sweet. Sometimes he'd only have one sleeve on. He'd have the yeah. eye black. looked freaking <laughs> awesome. Dez was just jumping over people. Um, so yeah, that, that's a, that's a, you could pick any one of those injuries and then maybe the year turns out, you know, yeah, a, a little bit different. Thanks Philip for making me think about that. I really appreciated that. Um, and then the last question we've got is from our guy, Chase Deacon at Chase Deacon. He says with the ESPN chairman confirming OU in Texas will be in the big 12 until 2025. Do you think one of the new teams, BYU, Houston, Cincinnati, and or UCF, will start a win streak against Texas or OU? And if so, who is the most likely out of those four? So who's who's the most likely to just kind of go on a little winning streak and send OU and Texas off? Well, I think at this point, 
any of those schools could probably beat Texas. Um, <laughs> I imagine it's, it's, not, it's not the most difficult thing to do. Um, but I think that, I don't know, I, I love all of the, the schools. And BYU's obviously got the history. Um, Cincinnati's kind of got some recent history. And then Houston and UCF just have so much potential with their locations. So uh, I think, it'd, you know, obviously you'd only have a couple of years. So I think to get a quick jump on them, I, I'd say like Cincinnati's probably got the best shot to do that. Um, yeah. kind of wonder what they're going to look like at quarterback, um, kind of moving forward. But yeah, I think, I think right now I'd say Cincinnati, but I think long-term, I think either UCF or Houston will probably end up being the better of those bunches just because then now they'd have the platform of a, of a power five conference, uh, matched with all that recruiting ground that they're in. Oh, hundred percent. And yeah, Cincinnati is definitely the smart answer. I, I think, I think I'm going to go with Houston though. Just Dana, just Dana sending them off. I think that, that could be great. That, that could be us. And they should be able to recruit so well. They, they've probably got like, I, I haven't dove in too deep into their stuff, but they've got to have athletes, you know, just kind of falling right. out of their pockets at that point down there. Oh, hundred percent. Well, Marshall, I told, I tried to warn you beforehand. We were going to go long uh, apologies, but I had a ton of fun. Thank you so much for coming on and filling in for Cade. I think everyone's going to enjoy this one. We appreciate everybody sending in the questions for Marshall and I, Marshall, can you let everybody know where to follow you on Twitter? And if you want to plug anything coming up on the website, feel free. If you're not reading Pistols Firing Blog, you need to. If you're not subscribed to the Chamber, you need to be. Marshall is active in there all the time. I get in there as well. Not that that's a perk, but uh, Marshall, yeah, just just kind of tell us where to follow you and if anything's coming up on the site. Uh, yeah, so our, our Twitter is at Pistols Guys. Um, you don't have to follow me on Twitter. I'm usually just retweeting stuff from Pistols Guys or making bad jokes. So, so I wouldn't do that. Um, as far as the site goes, we'll have you know coverage from from Big Twelve Media Days coming up next month, um, and then just whatever random stuff happens over over the next few weeks. But but that's why I really appreciate you having me on. Um, you broke up with me, but you finally took me out to a nice dinner to kind of <laughs> mend fences a little bit. Um, and I think time kind of heals all wounds in that aspect. No, yeah, Marshall, I I love it. I, I love that you came on. I had a, had a lot of fun. And also keep it locked on at the Feels Like 45 podcast Twitter. That's at Feels Like 45 pod. I'm going to try to sometime soon go through some of the games from last year with some of the All-22 film that I have and just take a look at some of the most productive offensive plays from the from those games. So keep it locked there. I'll do some breakdowns. But, um, yeah. Marshall, thanks again, and as always, go Pokes!